Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Hey everybody, before we get going, I wanted to tell you about a brand new resource that I released. It's called Mastering Git. It is a free Git course that will teach you everything that you need to know on how to use Git from the ground up in less than 120 minutes. It's super easy to follow. You don't need any specific tools installed other than Git itself. I'll teach you everything you need to know from the ground up using the command line and the 20% of commands they're gonna give you over 80% of the benefits for you and your day-to-day engineering career. Now, there's a ton of Git commands out there. You may not be sure which ones you should use. I've been using Git for over 12 years now from the command line, and these are the distilled down commands that I use on a day-to-day basis. I'm gonna show you how to use each one of those from initializing repositories, making commits, how to create branches, conceptually what are branches how do they work branch naming strategies how to merge how to utilize merge tools how to handle merge conflicts how to merge branches how to create pull requests on things like github how to cherry pick how to view logs how to create aliases and so forth i cover all of that within this course there's no fluff in it we hop straight into it and you're going to learn everything that you need to know in order to become a master of git again there's not a lot of commands that you're going to learn this is the course that i wish that i had when i started doesn't matter if you're a beginner or if you're advanced you're going to learn something for this however if your team member is new or you're just learning git or you want to be able to kind of understand it better this is the course for you so check it out the link is going to be in the show notes you can also view it at donfelker.com git you'll be able to see a nice demonstration of what is inside of that course on that page and it'll link you directly to the actual video itself which is free on youtube so you can also visit my youtube channel which is going to be at donfelker.com youtube you can find it there too so again go to donfelker.com git for the free git course and learn git and master it and i really hope that it helps you let's hop into the show All right, Kaushik, here we are again, back. Glad to have you back on the call. We had a f- couple of weeks off, just intermittent schedules, but hey, back in the action. That we are. And I basically pinged you the other day saying, I had a rant I want to get out and I need you to sort of hear me out and make sure I'm not going crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's, I mean, let's hop right into it. What, what is that rant? I know that you kind of give me for the listeners here, you'd given me a brief synopsis before and I said, you know what, let's just hop on the call and record it and just, we'll kind of get the raw discussion, which I think is usually much more valuable. So what is that? Okay. So here's my thing. When we started out as Android developers, I think we started in a place where we didn't have enough tooling. There wasn't an opinion on architecture. There weren't pieces. And so I think rightfully as Android developers, we obsessed over it, right? And mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time. We tried to come up, we were working against the system, if that's a way to put it. Mm -hmm. And we came up with our own architectures. And I think it improved the Android developer community for the better. You know, a lot of the tools that we have, a lot of like the patterns that we have, admittedly are much better than what I've observed in my brief time as an iOS developer, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the place that we are in. And I think as time has marched on, you know, Google has made improvements. I think as a community, we've all come together. Like, you know, unidirectional state flow is something that I guess everyone's talking about now. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's using it. Everyone's happy with it. But I think what's happened is we haven't sort of, if you think about that pendulum swinging in a direction where one direction is like focus on the architecture, try to get the innards of your architecture nice and clean, that the code is good. And on the other side, it's like, I don't care, just make the product better. Like, you know like damn the code, like the quality of the code. Let's just make sure that the app is buttery smooth, throw in anything that you need to do to make the app function well. Um, And I know that's obviously a slight simplification of the problem. But if you think about the pendulum swinging from one direction to the other, Mm -hmm. I kind of think it's time for us to swing a little in the other direction, which is as Android engineers, we need to like focus more on building better product, right? And I know this is a hot take, right? And I know Trust me, I completely see both sides of the argument, 
what I'm starting to feel, and I have three separate instances and we can talk about mm-hmm. this, but I've had three instances where we have started to not swing back in that direction. I've, I find myself caught constantly in arguments with Android engineers about how, oh, but we can improve this architecture further. We can do X, you know, maybe we should add more convention. Oh, you know, it needs to be more similar. Like things are starting to diverge. And I'm like, who the bleep cares, right? (laughs) At a certain point, just is your product better? If you have clean architecture, but your product still sucks, it isn't serving anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And I know this is simplification. Let let me stop then. I can talk to you about the specific instances that I ran into, but what are your brief thoughts? Like, hear me out. Am I I sort of over-obsessing about this? Am I no, you're not a, right over obsessing. In fact, I've noticed a, a a very similar thing that various clients that I've been to, companies, uh, products I've worked on uh, over the years have just got more and more complex. And we had a discussion over text regarding this, and we'll get into that a little bit more about how, my thoughts on what like some architecture is not actually architecture. It's getting around some problems we have in the mm-hmm. tooling and uh, processes, but. I have seen a, a problem simply because, hey, this one person said that we should do it this way. And because for whatever reason, it looks like a good idea, we should do it um, because it avoids one problem. But the pro- that then could expose you to a whole bunch of other issues, which is, I don't even know how this thing works. I can't even decipher how this app works okay. half the time. But before we get down that whole rabbit hole, I kind of want to rewind to one thing that you said that I would like maybe you to expand on a little bit. And that's where you said focusing on product, building a better product. Mm-hmm. Can you expand mm-hmm. on what you mean by building a better product? Yeah. Yeah. And this is basically you giving me the rope to hang myself because, <laughs> you know, I know I'm going to get into like very fiery takes here, but whatever, like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say what it is and I'm open to having my mind changed here by building product as an example, right? I've had the great opportunity at Instacart to observe both iOS and Android engineers, right? You know, because I've led both of those teams and I've seen how one team functions over the other. When you actually release a feature, part of what makes software engineering complex is all of these small edge cases from a product perspective, right? And I don't mean like blatant bugs, but I mean like, hey, when you click something and it transitions into the next screen, is it transitioning okay? You know, mm-hmm. when when you have items on your list and you keep scrolling really fast, right? And you like load a whole bunch of items, does it flash? Like, do the animations get like mangled up? For example, I don't know if you notice it, but with the recycler views, like, you know, if you use the default animations, it kind of works sometimes, you know? But if you sometimes, it, it the default animations don't fit the theme, right? And I don't want to, like, that's another whole topic altogether, but, you know, that's just one example. If I observe an iOS engineer, they will try their best to make sure all of those things are like cleaned up, right? Yeah. But if I, that same PR, if I, you know, that pull request, when I see it on the Android side, what they're obsessing over is like, oh, like, hey, you use this pattern slightly differently, right? Like, you know, you know, this should be like immutable or mutable. And like, yeah, I'm not saying all of those things are wrong, but a large if you were to basically apportion the amount of time that an Android engineer spent reviewing code, mm-hmm. I think an iOS engineer would pull that up. Like, actually, and I'm not saying Android engineers don't do this. There's always folks. But, you know, the obsession over, like, oh, but, like, this architecture has to be followed this way. Like, you know, the the intention is this way, so we should use it. That's what I mean, right? Like, eventually, what you observe is a better product. And that's one, that's one data point. The second data point is obviously... You know, there's a lot of Twitter conversations going on. And I think it's fair to say that the third-party app ecosystem is better on iOS than it is on Android, right? Mm-hmm. And, what, again, and what do you I mean? What do you mean yeah. by that the third-party ecosystem is better? Like if you were to pick third-party apps, like you know, if like a video uh, video story, editing app. Yeah, a, a video editing app. Or even, you know, the one that I use constant like as a good example is uh, RSS readers, right? Yep. You know, niche. But I can guarantee you there's a ama- there are like some I can recommend there are like some amazing iOS reader apps, okay. right? RSS sorry, RSS apps, reader is one of them. Reader is actually one of it's a beautiful app, by the way. Mm-hmm. And you and you can say, well, that's just an exception. Maybe that one developer decided to make it their life's mission to build the best RSS reader, and that's why you have a good product. 
I don't think that's true, though. Like, I can cite so many examples of third-party applications built for iOS that are just, like, beautiful, right? The same thing, doing the same thing on Android, I don't want to say it's not possible. It's it's more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And this gets into that whole, uh, you know, I wrote a blog post about this sometime back as a response to one of those things that, you know, uh, Ben Thompson, who's this uh, pundit who basically came up, uh, he, he writes this newsletter called Stratechery. Mm-hmm. He came up with this idea and he's sort of like taken that back and adapted his position, which is like, you know, initially he was like, oh, Android developers are lazy. That's why they don't build good product, right? And I vehemently disagree with that, right? Android engineers do have it harder. It is harder to build mm-hmm. better Android apps across the system because we have to battle with like a lot of APIs, right? Like, you know, from API, whatever, 14, min SDK, 14 to whatever it is today. It's complicated. I, I get that. But also, if, you know, I think it's fair to say that if I have the latest, greatest Pixel phone or Galaxy 21, whatever, or 22, whatever it is, the latest version of that app should almost be equal, if like not better than the same on an iOS app, right? And iOS also, they're starting to have like a whole bunch of uh, iPhone versions and different sizes. I'm, I'm rambling a little and I feel I might be going tangential, but does that give you a sense of what I mean? And I want you to push back if you feel like, oh, maybe I'm just generalizing here, right? Because I kind of think it's easier to find better iOS apps than it is. Give me the best Android app you've used and, you know, I'll give you the best iOS app or like you give me the best iOS app you've used. Compared the two, there's a huge difference. That's one way to compare it. Mm-hmm. The other way to compare it is let's take the same apps, like, you know, let's take Twitter and iOS, Twitter and Android, or like take equivalent apps uh, that have both an iOS and Android version and compare the two, right? More often than not, I think there are a few exceptions, right? For example, like Square Cash, like beautiful app, right? And I found that to work great on both platforms. Mm-hmm. The Android one is really good. But just in general, right? Like most things, Twitter for the longest, I think Twitter is like, in a good sort of in a better position today but it was very evident to me right i had very specific examples in the past where the same thing on the ios app versus the android app like huge difference right between the two i don't know what do you think am i like am i maybe being a little biased here no you're you're not being biased and i don't know if i've even announced it here on the podcast i think i feel like i have but i don't use android as my daily driver mm-hmm. i use ios as my daily driver and that may come as a shock for those that don't know that. But the way that I explain it to people is that I got tired. Well, let me rewind a little bit. I have been a, a user of Android since it came out, since the first G1 T-Mobile device came out. I had two of those and I was loyal to the platform until two years ago. And I didn't get crappy devices. I had Pixels or I had Nexuses, whatever, you know, I had, I had the, the ones from Google. And uh, I upgraded all the time. But what I always noticed is that within eight to 10 months, I would want to throw my phone against the wall because it would just, apps would just lock up. My phone would turn into like uh, yeah. a piece of charcoal that's like burning hot at all times. Uh, the battery would just tank, which battery is a problem across both platforms. I'm not going to let iOS get away from that too, but. So I said, and I spoke to numerous people about this and saw some people that went from Android to iOS and talked to them. And I had worked with some Android developers that used iOS. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? And and they're like, Mm -hmm. dude, it just works better. And I'm like, no way. And so finally I got to the breaking point and I was up in Connecticut. I had a client and uh, I walked to the Apple store one day because I just wanted to take a look at stuff at lunch. And uh, I just looked at the iPhones and I'm like, you know what? Today's the day. And I just bought one right there. I didn't plan on it. I just did it. And from that day forward to then, I still have that same exact phone. That was over what, almost two, two, yeah, over two years ago, two and a half years ago, almost. It's the same exact device. The only thing that's, that I have a problem with is the battery life's not that great. But I'll tell you what, man, mm-hmm. I have no issues with it. And that's the device, but the apps work really, really well. And right. I attest that to multiple different things. Like you said, the way that, I think a lot of iOS developers approach apps is like they set their standard to the way that Apple does things. Mm -hmm. And when Apple releases an app, a device or whatever, it's usually very polished. Now, of course, they're not without their own faults, but it's very quite polished. It works, rarely ever crashes. 
and things are just very fluid-like. And it feels like a lot of developers try to mimic that, which then in turn creates these great applications. Now, I don't know what the, well, I have an opinion here. I have a feeling based upon my interactions with iOS teams that their architecture is all over the place or just non-existent at all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And on the flip side of that, we have Android where we are, we sometimes care about the way the app looks and responds. And we're just like, you know what, whatever, ship it, which I'm also been a proponent of and guilty of telling everybody to do, just ship it and get it out there. But I feel like on the other side, and I think you maybe had touched on this a little bit, we have really dove deep. And in my opinion, too far into the deep end of overuse of architectures. And that has become something that's actually slowed us down. And we've spent too much time being software craftsmen or craftswomen or craftspeople, whatever you want to say, than actually building a product that the end user wants to use, likes to use, and enjoys to use. I think that last sentence really captures it well, because I'm seeing evidence of it, right? Mm -hmm. For me, I had two teams, right? Mm -hmm. Both of these teams building the same feature and the architecture that we talked about, the unidirectional state. I managed to get both teams onto that architecture. So both use a very similar architecture, right? And it's funny, the conversations I have, uh, because, you know, there are different variants of the unidirectional state flow architecture, right? Like there's the one that we like talked about in the podcast, like, you know, that I talked about in a presentation and inherently it's very similar to MVVM, right? A lot of people come back and say, oh, well, that's just MVVM. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. I wanted it to be that similar. So you don't have to learn something new, Mm -hmm. right? The iOS people, getting them to change was a pain in the butt. But once they changed, they've just stuck to it, right? And they were like, okay, this is it. Like, you know, we're not going to obsess more over it. The Android engineers, I find them like constantly obsessing. Oh, can we abstract this class? Oh, how do we make sure that the convention's better? And we're here, we're repeating this thing twice. Let's extract it into a helper function and make an extension function and like, yeah, <laughs> put it into a module. I'm like, what are you, jeez. Right. Like, you know, I, and there are times that then it makes sense, but I'm like, why are we obsessing with this? Who cares if people don't use like the pattern exactly the same way across 20 different files, right? Who cares? You know, uh, and you know, and you know, I've had engineers come up to me, Android engineers come up saying like, oh, you know, maybe we should start using different frameworks, right? You know, maybe we should start using uh, something. I mean, Uber Ribs is like taking it to like an extreme mm-hmm. where it's like complete convention driven, but oh, like, should we think about Mavericks? Oh, should we think about like, you know, in one of the, like, you know, Instacart also open source this thing called Formula. It's like, oh, should we start moving the formula? And my whole point is like, wait, why are we having this conversation? What is limiting today? What's the your yeah, what what is the problem, right? You know, why is your you can spend all the time, you know, like trying to migrate again, but what is your problem? Your problem is that everyone isn't following the same thing. That isn't important. Like if I bring in a new engineer, if I rope in like, you know, someone who can write Kotlin code and ask them to help on like fixing something, they should be able to pick it up and start working. That's mm-hmm. more important to me, right? You know, it isn't important to me that like your entire code base looks exactly the same, right? Who cares? Is the product any better? No. But you moving to a different framework, is the product better? No. Mm-hmm. iOS still is building a better product. They're using the same architecture. What's your excuse now? Yeah. Right. And I feel it's hard to snap people out of that thought process. Right. And that's the thing that I'm finding challenging. And I don't know, maybe it is just like, you know, over time that will change. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sensing that. I feel like people just need to snap out of the whole, if you have something that works better enough. And yeah, you can always improve on things. Yep. You can have comments, but that you shouldn't obsess over that. You should obsess over that after you've taken it to the point where the product, like you need to enable a better product by using these architectures. If you don't have a good reason to do that, we shouldn't be spending as much time talking about it. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many architect, and you you mentioned this. There's so many architectures that you'll run across in a code base sometimes because early on it's like, hey, this was. Back in the day, we didn't have anything. It was just like fragments and act, not even fragments. Back before, we didn't have fragments back in the day. For some people, don't even know that there was no fragments for a long time. Um, There's just activities, and you put your code into. You know, we had the MVP pattern back then. Actually, that's what we used to help create abstractions. And there's still some of that code lying around. And then fragments came around, and we we did that. And then we had like MVP for MVP, and then you know, then MVI came around and then it was MVVM. And so on some code bases, you'll find multiple different patterns in use. And there are valid use cases for some of that because, hey, as this product matured, we realized, hey, that wasn't a good way to do it. It was very painful to update. It was very mm-hmm. painful, blah, blah, blah. So I get that. 
But at some point, like you said, you've, you get to a point where you've created almost like this ecosystem at a company that allows you to ship something. Now, maybe it's not the perfect. And um, I won't name the client, but I had a client that um, years ago that had that exact thing. Their app was very well um, architected. It worked very well, but the problem was it was very difficult to understand, to get going with. So once you kind of understood it, then you can be productive in it. But when a new engineer joined, there was about a two to three month ramp up period of a lot of WTFs going on. Like, what is this? Like, no, we're not using MVVM. No, we're not using these like view binding. No, we're not. We, we do this all of ourselves because we've built it before all that came out. Now, there was a benefit to that because the product could then continue to move forward and we didn't have a lot of churn. The mm. negative aspect of that, though, was having, you know, not being on a modern framework and not being, you know, when mm. new developers, let's, let's take a look at like, if you look at a funnel, right? There's more new developers than there are senior developers. Senior developers at the bottom of the funnel. It's just, that's just the nature of it. So if you have more new developers, it would make more sense to have a, a framework which is somewhat modern so they can kind of hop in and understand right. it. But I think there's a fine line in, in what that is. Mm-hmm. Is it too much or what is too much? So we continue to riff on this for a while, but I mean, you had brought up a couple of those uh, uh, points before the call. Did you want to hop into to some of those? Yeah, I can I, I can mention there were three instances that, you know, where I noticed mm-hmm. this. One was uh, I didn't get permission from this person. Uh, they're a designer at Google, so I don't want to like necessarily mm-hmm. say it out loud yeah. for, you know, fear of repercussions for, you know. But yeah, that was a back and forth I was going with them. And because I, I put out a tweet pointing out something similar in the past, right, where I'm like, oh, the third party app ecosystem is better. And, you know, to their credit, like, you know, they were like, hey, let's talk about this. Like, tell me more, like, because mm-hmm. you also mentioned that you know android development you enjoy android development better and that's true i do enjoy like you know writing cotton code more than you know some of the things constructs that you have to deal with yeah. on ios right and i you know there was a back and forth and i think that's the same thing right like you know you pointed on something that actually gave me sort of like an aha moment right now which is there aren't enough examples maybe right like yeah. what are like the beacons like what and i'd love to hear from like you know the listeners if you were to pick which is the best Android app from a product perspective that you used where you're like, geez, I wish I could build my app like this. Right? Yeah, it's just like, works what are so s- well. Yeah, stellar examples. It can be either from Google or like a third party. Because, like, yeah. you know, if you ask me on the iOS side, I can like throw off like at least three or four immediately off the top of my head that I know are like, you know, excuse my language, effing phenomenal, yeah. right? Like <laughs> I can give those examples out like... And maybe like I might be biased because again, like you, I use both an Android and an iOS phone, but like right now I've switched towards like my iPhone being like the primary driver, right? So like, please tell me, I want to listen, like what are the best Android apps that you've used from a product perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That are just beautiful, fluid, like are just flawless. I want to hear those examples, right? And I think you pointed out that like, if there are more of these things, then we have a standard to build towards, right? Yeah. And maybe that's the problem. We don't have enough of those. I don't know. Like, if I were to ask you, what were some of the best Android apps you've used? It's that question. Uh, it goes back to like the Google apps. Like, and that's and not that's not the answer to your question. It's mm-hmm. like YouTube. <laughs> like, it's it works well. Gmail. It, yeah, it works. Um, and and that's and I think that's the the key component there. It works. Like, it's I don't have any issues with it. The that has always been my big downfall with a lot of android apps sometimes they just won't work <laughs> and it's very frustrating um and there's been a few websites which i won't name any of them right now um but there's a number of websites out there that post like hey here's a very good designed you know mm-hmm. app and they give you good inspiration right. but unfortunately off the top of my head i can't say hey these are phenomenal android apps now there's again some things that android does a lot better uh, that i love like the notifications in Android below iOS notifications out of the water, like hands down. But that's, you know, that's not an entire app. That's just a feature. All right. Anyway, that was one data point. And again, you know, listeners, if you have better examples, please send it. The second is, I think I was telling you, right? Like I was talking to one of the engineers that I work with, right? And they were saying the same thing. They're like, oh, should we start exploring some other frameworks so we can bring in more conventions so that people don't find it difficult and start using the pattern incorrectly? 
and that was the thing. I was like, wait, w- what do you mean? Like, how incorrectly is it being used? Is it getting to the point where it's actually detrimental to the code where like the product is better? Yeah. If not, it's you send up a PR review, just point it out in a PR review, let them change it, right? Because what you're trading off is what you mentioned, which is like the ease of change, right? And we've talked about this in previous podcasts. A very big rule of thumb for me is if I get a competent Android engineer to look at my code base and I ask them to change something in a screen, it shouldn't take more than a few hours for them to be able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you bring in like this, co- and this complexity is the main thing, right? Like yeah. you bring in this complex architecture where in addition to learning the bajillion Android things that we have, the APIs that we have, you also have to learn this new framework that you tack on to this for your architecture. And then you have to understand the implementation about how it's used and make a change. That's a problem, yep. right? That's That's wasteful. If on the other hand, you have this architecture that's a little loose, that doesn't have as many tight conventions, but the advantage is if you bring in someone to come and look at the code base, they can start working on it quickly and improving the product. That's a much bigger benefit, right? So that was like my second data point. And I think the third data point was uh, this whole Twitter conversation that's going on, right? Where if you look at a bunch of the iOS developers, the conversations, like, you know, the coffee conversations that go on with iOS developers, mm-hmm. they talk about the APIs. They're like, oh, like, what API did you use to get this, like, cool feature in, right? Like, you know, oh, that's their obsession, which is like, oh, Apple hasn't provided this API. I'd like to do this really crazy cool thing where, like, the, or like you know, oh, how do we do this? How do you do this? Oh, that's where, like, the conversations spread. When I look at the coffee conversations that go on mostly with Android developers on you know, Twitter, for example, it's always like, oh, we should be using this for dependency injection or mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, view models versus like, oh, this architecture, oh, we shouldn't be using view models. We and I'm like, oh, I'm tired of this, right? Yeah. Like, who cares? Like we are at a point where we have something workable, or at least I like to believe so. Mm-hmm. Why are we not obsessing over problems? So that was like my third data point, right? So all put together, it sort of has gotten me thinking more about this idea that we should be focusing more on product, like it's time, right? And I like to be proven wrong there. Like, you know, I want to hear, I'm, I'm genuinely open to hearing the other side of it. Yeah, so. I think, you, but you're on, you're on to something. You, we need to focus on on building products. We're so, this is also transcends into the startup, uh, solo founder, you know, bootstrapper kind of area where there's a lot of conversations in that community about, just getting something done and shipping it, get a, get a good product out there and iterate, just move forward and get something done that's usable and so forth. And that's kind of what they talk about. Now, to kind of rewind a little bit about Android, one of the, the situations I think that we've ended up in is because Android has always been this blank canvas. There's from day one, we were given an activity and Hello World was literally some gray text on a black screen in the top left corner. And the, that was it. Like, there it is. Put a button. Cool. The button shows up next to it or below it, if, depending on what layout you were using. That was like, okay, how do you want your app to look? I don't know. How do you want to look? There was really no guidance. And so we have had a, over the last decade, a plethora of guidance from, you know, third party as well as Google saying, here's how you should build applications. And you kind of have to look at the ego investments of each individual participant in those conversations. (laughs) Google's going to say it one way because they believe that's a good way to build it. But why do they believe it? Maybe because it's easy for them to update libraries. Maybe it's easier for them to ship updates, or maybe that's just, they want to save face. So it looks like they're planning something. Who knows? I'm not at Google. I don't know. Now, another company might say, hey, you need to use this framework and this is why it works well. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're at, you know, Facebook, Uber, you know, Twitter scale, whatever, and they run into problems that 99% of us will never run into, but they need to do that because that's the problems they have. And the problem that I have, not it's not really a problem, but it's, I think it's a, something a lot of people don't recognize is. They can't see that that is what those companies are doing. They're solving for a very specific, or very specific scale problem that they have. And it could be a scale, a human resource scale, which is we have 2,000 developers on our Android app. So we're having a hard time with as many Git commits. And so we have to break it apart, and which means we got to break apart our modules and blah, blah, blah. That then turns into, oh, I need to do that because that's what company X is doing. And then we have, you know, other individuals which kind of come out of maybe a more pragmatic approach. Hey, you don't need to break this apart into 
this type of architecture, you just need to use something very simple like this. And so there's arguments all over the place. And then, which is the kind of the, the final straw in my opinion, is that Android has a situation, and I'm probably going to portray this incorrectly, and I hope I don't, but um, we talked about this over text. Is In my opinion, a lot of the quote-unquote architecture that we see out there is actually to get around problems with build tools and so forth. So we find um, a lot of companies, or I find a lot of companies, well, hey, have a ton of, you know, great old modules because that's the right architecture. But if we really break it down to what's happening is like, oh, we have all these different modules because we want to make sure that we're not rebuilding a hundred thousand files over and over and over every time we do something. We want to use maybe the Gradle cache. So we're breaking apart things into different modules. We're using Gradle Enterprise and we're caching things and stuff to speed up the build. That's just the nature of the build situation. I personally don't call that architecture. Maybe that's build architecture. Totally Mm. get it. But actually developing the application into these different modules just because it's a logical component sometimes doesn't make sense to me. Like, all right, does that really bias Mm. any net benefit? Now, if it does for build speed, which increases developer productivity, all for it. Cool. That's just the nature of Android that we have to get around. I'm talking about a whole bunch of different things here. The long story is, I think it's just because Android has come from a place where we haven't had any guidance. Now we have guidance from all over and we're kind of picking and choosing what we need to have. And I think a lot of developers are, are really still trying to grasp what's the best, what's the best architecture. Mm-hmm. I need to look to industry leaders to, to, maybe I should use that one, or maybe I should use this one instead of actually focusing on like, Hey, are we building this feature, this screen? Is it doing what it should be doing? Does it, is it fast? Does it quick? Does it get, does it solve the user's problem of them entering or reading text or whatever they're trying to do? And, you know, is it maintainable? And uh, I think there's a lot of confusion on spending as developers. We like to spend a lot of time in the code because it's easy. It's an escape mechanism for a lot of us. We feel comfort there. We can hop deep into the code. We can lose hours of time and it's fun. A lot of times it's not fun to just build a product that's a certain screen that maybe I don't really care about, but the product team does. So it's, I think there's multiple facets here at play. Yeah. You brought up another point that also like, you know, tube light in my head sort of lit up, which is, I think in the Android world, a lot of the guidance that comes from the Android developer community is from a lot of these extremely like super competent, amazing Android engineers work at companies that have like 200 engineers, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's actually, I'm curious, like how many companies exist that have more than 200 Android engineers? I mean, I work at Instacart, which is a pretty big company, right? You know, like relative to a lot of other companies, we don't even go close to 100, right? Mm -hmm. Altogether. And I feel it's interesting because if you start seeking guidance from engineers who are having to deal a lot with these problems, right? Where you have 300 to like, 1,000 <laughs> engineers or like your code base is that, that big where you have like 400 Gradle modules, you, yeah, sometimes maybe we shouldn't be like sort of adopting everything that they're mentioning because that comes with certain cons, right? Which is like being nimble. Mm-hmm. And it is, I don't know, yeah. I just also, this got me thinking, there used to be a time where a lot of the indie developer community in Android, like, you know, was pretty vibrant and they would talk about a lot of that stuff. I don't see as much conversation from the indie developer community, right? Like it's a lot from these engineers who worked on really complex, big problems, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I am curious, like it's, yeah, it just, it's a thought, right? I wonder what happened there, right? Is that just me being in my own bubble and not hearing from them or... Are there genuinely conversations missing from that, right? Because I feel that's the other thing. If you if you hear a lot of these indie developers who are trying different things, their only way of capturing attention and gaining traction is by building really nice product, right? It is, <laughs> or yeah. like innovative or creative products. And I don't hear as many voices in the Android side there as I do on the iOS side. Yeah, you're right. It's um, we actually had a, had a couple of people on the on the podcast over the years that were indie developers yeah. and did fairly well and did it as a full time thing. And I, I'm going to say my sneaking suspicion here is that a lot of people have put out their apps or whatever and realize that 
it's not a build it and they will come solution. And there's not a, like you have to solve a very particular problem. And nowadays it almost feels like you have to be cross-platform. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to write it in KAM or Flutter or whatever. It means you need to have an app on iOS and Android, which means at that point, if you're doing that, you're probably storing data on the server, which means you need a third app, which is your API. <laughs> and then a fourth app, which is your admin panel. Um, but I think what ends up happening is a lot of developers, not, they don't get disillusioned, but just they get discouraged. That they, you write an app, you put it out there, it's, it's really nice. But now you got to market it. Now you have to do all these things. And it's just, it can get really uh, discouraging if you don't get any traction at all because there's so much, so mm-hmm. many apps out there. And as someone who came from, you know, I probably had, I don't know, right around 20 or more apps in the Android market mm-hmm. before Android, Google Play. This is Android market. I had 20 apps at least in the Android market in the first thousand. I was very early. Back then, yeah. it was a different game. Like I, You just push an app out. It showed up at the top of the new list. You got a 1,000 installs in an hour. Like, boom, just happened. That doesn't happen anymore. You put it out there, you're like, oh, I got four installs in four weeks. <laughs> There's so many more things out there. And I think when these indie developers were out there, like we did hear from them. We said, hey, here's how I built it, and here's how I made this nice product. And there's some of them that, because they had, like you said, they have to think about what makes good user experience. And one of the apps that me and you both use that we both love is Things on iOS. Oh, yeah. Like, I wish there was a Things on Android. Is there a Things on Android? I don't think there is. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. At one point, I I offered that, I, you know, this is, I think, many years back, five or six years back. Mm-hmm. I offered to build the Things Android app for free, you know, but mm-hmm. Culture Code, the company, yeah. they're like this German company that built it. They're notorious for being like, you know, in the Apple ecosystem and it's 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 funny. Recently, I was through this whole thing of like trying different apps again because I wanted to move away from things. Because you know, I use my Android phone as well. A very good app that you know, if folks are interested, is this new to do app called Tick Tick. Yeah, I use that. Uh, uh, yeah, Tick Tick is great. But again, it's it, it, I mean, this might just be like a product uh, thing, but it doesn't compare. Like Things is such a gorgeous, beautiful, intuitive app. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a to do app. It's as simple, but it's just. You know that that was like if yeah if I were to pick some of the best examples of iOS apps, you know things would be right up there, right? And there's a bunch of other really good ones too. But I, I generally I'm asking listeners like send us examples and like you know if there are indie developers who are like building amazing apps, we'll promote it. Like I mean I want to right? Like I want to get that indie voice out there. Like there aren't enough of them, so mm-hmm. please send them our way. That TikTok was like, I forgot about that. And that was one that I used a lot before I went over to iOS. And I use it on iOS too, because I have an iOS app too, before I got into things. Right, right. Because I was a big Wonderlist user for a long oh, time. Oh, I remember, yeah. And then uh, Microsoft bought it and shut it down. So thanks, <laughs> thanks Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. TikTok functionally is a great app. Like, you know, if you want feature A, B, C, they got it. Like, you know, they do a whole bunch of things. <laughs> things. But, um, things is just i keep coming back to things because once you use things and you're used to how intuitive it is as an app Mm -hmm. it's hard like even markdown editors i know i forget the one there was one that's really good i hope you know by the next episode i remember it so i can uh call out there's there's a good android markdown editor but oh really yeah i I was always looking for a good one back in the day yeah it's by that engineer from square it'll come to me at some point but you know if you ask me on the iOS side, there's like four Markdown editors and yeah. all of them are really good, right? Like iWriter, the whole bunch of them. That's just, that, that's what I mean, right? Like, and these are indie developers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, these are small companies. Like these aren't like, you know, the 200 engineers uh, working on this app. Where are those apps? So I want to hear from This those is a good apps. question here. Like, do, let's get into like the, what are some possible solutions here? And, and this is, I'm just throwing this out there, like not even planning this thought process is maybe the solution actually charging more for apps on Android and just putting out a really good app. And if you've seen this, I know I I have. Sometimes if I want an iOS app that's really good, I'll look at it, it's like $29. I'm like, what? (laughs) $29? And then before you know it, I'm clicking purchase because I'm like, like, I really (laughs) like this app. Like I like, I got a seven day trial or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, I really love this thing. And I'm like, yeah, $29, totally worth it. Is that maybe the thing that needs to happen? Like the developers need to, indie developers or companies need to create such good user experiences that 
they can charge that same amount. It's the catch-22 problem though, right? Like there are the common saying or not the saying, but you know, the, the, the trope is that Android users aren't willing to pay, but iOS users are. Mm, Therefore, it's just easier to invest in building a really high quality iOS app because there's a higher chance you'll get money for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know that's what a lot of people say. I don't know. And maybe it is true. Like, you know, that's the kind of thing that I feel like we need to find out more. Yes, I don't. Because there aren't enough paying Android users is the theme, right? For example, if someone says, okay, I'm going to charge like, $10 $10 for this and you have like another shittier app that you know they give away for free then most people are going to pick the shittier app on the android system this is the trope again i don't it believe is. that because for me i would rather pay and use something good but hey like you know this is what most i hear from most people yeah and i've heard the same thing from other developers it's not just us that there's that a not it's not a misconception i think it's the actual culture of android of it being open and free everything should be free and but let's be 100 percent honest uh free does not pay the bills and i think mm-hmm. i've seen a few folks from JetBrains actually kind of the, uh, represented JetBrains say that like hey JetBrains charges money for their ides because free doesn't pay the bills right. um and i but at the same time like you said if there's two different apps one is 9.99 and one is free the one that's free is going to get a lot more uses but at what cost, though? Eventually, it's going to stop getting updates. That person's going to get burned out on you know, mm. updating it. And ads, you have people say, well, you throw ads on it. Like, okay, ads work at scale. And I'm talking about millions and millions of impressions. I'm not right, talking right. about, hey, I got 10,000 you, you know, 10, installs and I'm generating you know, five bucks a week. Like, that's not going to sustain you to want to update an app. So I don't know if it's charging that, which is kind of leads me to the next question is, how do you have any ideas on how to motivate or to you know influence developers to focus more on product experience rather than you know engineering and architecture? And not saying that architecture is bad, but like, hey, just put some more emphasis on building a good product. I wish I did. I off the top of my head, I don't. You know, because uh, the obvious way is like, hey if you build a good app the people will come right but if the problem is that the people don't come (laughs) that's the conundrum that i find myself caught in but i think like we can do things like you know we can surface like you know hey if there's good indie apps we'll surface them we'll get those engineers we'll get those developers to talk in the podcast like you know that's one thing we can do i think in general too you know maybe that's something that you google like i know google has like a some things where they highlight some of these engineers that work on things, right? I have mostly seen just the big sort of players. I've not seen as many indie sort of apps. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something that, you know, that can be done, which is like, hey, let's talk about these indie apps. Let's focus on indie apps and let's focus on like high quality apps, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's focus on these APIs. Like that's what we need to be like, you know, we, we, we don't need like, oh, look at this amazing yeah, I don't know, coroutine API that does this thing under this condition with these two threads, like, you know, maybe less conversation yeah. there, but like, you know, look at this API and look at how this API was used in this app. Like, look at how like gorgeous this Now, when know, you say API, is. do you mean like an actual platform API from a, a native one, like a Android native API or iOS native API? Or are you talking about like an API to get data? No, that's a good point. I sorry, I specifically meant the former, which is AP, a platform API that allows you to sort of build product in a specific way, okay. not like not the latter. Okay, that is like not to pull data. Okay, I mean like Android APIs, right? Uh, for example, that's the other thing. Um, Swift recently, like you know, iOS, they literally made a keynote announcement about a charts API that they built, oh. right? Which is like Swift. If I, I think it was maybe Swift UI or something, but they're like, look at this charts API and like you can build beautiful graphs and we've made it easy. I would never imagine something like that from like, you know, Google. Like, I mean, hey, even to this day, it's needed. If, if, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like what's the best charting API? I still think it's like, what is it? MPU Android or I forget yeah, what yeah. it was, right? MP chart those, or whatever. Yeah. MP, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I mean, right? Like, you know, hey, where are like those APIs that allow me to do that? 
you know, navigating. I know navigation was a big thing that they try to focus on with the fragments thing, but it's still kind of a pain, right? Like we still have these conversations about backstack and home button and back yeah. button, you know, I don't know. And maybe I'm oversimplifying no, this I, problem I think, saying like, just, oh, fix it. Just put put up an API. <laughs> I think you're really onto something here though, because I'm going to, I'm going to reference, I get run up a flagpole about this all the time. I'm going to reference Ruby on Rails here because mm-hmm. Ruby on Rails will do something very specifically for a while. And then what will happen is someone else in the community will build a gem or does something that's very awesome. And a mm-hmm. lot of people will start using it. And then what will end up happening is internally, like on the Rails, you know, it's open source. Open source team will then say, hey, this is interesting. We mm-hmm. should pull this into Ruby, Ruby on Rails. And that's happened a number of times. Like, hey, we're going to basically, we're going to pull it in or we're going to recreate it because it's something that's actually needed in the framework. And so I'm wondering is maybe this is a issue further up that needs to be addressed. Like, is it something at Google level where, hey, maybe Google needs to open up a little bit more for Android to, hey, here's, you know, there's this MP Android chart, like it works great. Why doesn't like, you know, they did that with Dagger kind of, they kind of pulled that in and I'm mm-hmm. not going to defend Dagger, but it's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> But you see, that's like you're proving my point. They did that with Dagger, which is yeah, like you're a right. dependency injection framework. You know, how often do you find that for like, you know, have you, yeah. Yeah, it's a, you know exactly. I mean, that solves that problem, but like it's, like you said, charting, like that would be very useful. You know, what are some of the other, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, some of the other platform APIs that would be really nice to have. It's just like the biggest painful things if you think about it, right? Like I know for a fact Showing to keyboard. this day, navigation is still a pain in the butt. Like, yeah, I know there's app navigation and it's better. And, you know, I, we actually do use it in one of our apps here. It's still not very intuitive though. Like, you know, it's still not like just, aha, I can use this. And now my app navigates between screens in easy, fluid way. I don't think that's true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what other example? The charting API is like a good obvious example, especially because it came from recent memory, right? One of the th- a couple of the things that I, on the flip side that I like to bring up is some of the things that were built just like almost f- like flopped. Like the, I don't even know anybody uses instant apps. Do you? No, no. Like that was pushed so hard. And it was pretty cool too. I will say, I yeah. love the feature, right? I like the idea it was like set up to work great on android because you know but yeah i don't think anyone uses it yeah it's like ah i gotta do all this extra work to make this thing an instant app and i'm I'm, i have to break these things into all these different chunks and it created so much work um and there's been a number of those style of features that have come out where i think it was very specific to android right right but oh here's another example right like apple pay versus google pay like I oh, remember man. just adding the integration for Apple Pay was yeah I, I don't think it was that pleasant because we were early very early in adding it like you know I think we partnered with Apple at that point to add it on the Instacart app mm-hmm. I still remember doing it on like the Google side was a pain for our engineers right mm-hmm. they got it working but even to this day the experience is that much better mm-hmm. like you know that's what I mean like the Google Pay API should be so freaking spanking awesome that you can just integrate it and it just all works beautifully, right? Mm-hmm. And then everyone uses it. But no, I mean, hell, they just made like a new Google Pay app now, right? Like that's the other yeah. problem. Like, what am I supposed to use now? I don't know if that necessarily changed anything. So I might be unfairly uh, criticizing that. But yeah, that's what I mean, right? Like just good product, like good native product functionality. And there's kind of a bummer too between both Android and iOS. There's a lot of, things that I wish would cross over to both platforms, but both companies are just, you know, are so against each other in a lot of things that they're never like to give you the prime example. I love iMessage. It works great. And I love how it integrates with the Mac. I just wish I could use it on a PC or I could use it on Android. If that was available, that would be, and then if I could integrate into it with apps, that would be such a game changer all over the place, you know? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> there, Apple knowing who they are, they nope. were going to hold, like you can take that from their like cold, dying, clinging hands, or whatever the, <laughs> you yeah. know, the, the metaphor is Apple, that, that definitely isn't happening. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I point taken. I, I think that, and I don't want to sound like I'm shitting over Google completely, right? Like mm-hmm. they've definitely done some things really well. Things have improved. But I want to like say like, hey, maybe it's time you change direction again, like where we're not obsessing over like how to 
blueprints for architecture, like great, like, you know, let's just move past that. We have enough direction there. How do we build better products, like better apps? Yeah, that's a perfect segue into something I just wanted to, to bring up, which probably could be its own episode and we'll just briefly touch on it here. But building a good product is fundamental to the success of the app, to the company, to you know, revenue, profit, whatever. And that product has to provide value. And then you have to be able to iterate on that. And the, the example here, <laughs> you might be like, Don, why are you bringing this up? Um, but I wanted to bring up the example of Notion moving from web views <laughs> to native. And the reason right. why I want to bring that up is because in my opinion, they have a very, very good product and they iterate, in my opinion, they iterated on it in the correct manner. They perhaps Absolutely. didn't have the right resources. They didn't take all their time and focus on, hey, we should build this perfect Swift app and this perfect Jetpack Compose app and do all these crazy architecture things. They looked at it and I'm assuming I don't know anybody there. They probably looked at it and said, hey, we don't have all the resources to build two different apps. We don't even know what we need yet. So let's just wrap this thing in a web view and maybe add some notification support and ship it. And it's not the best and it's kind of slow. And to be honest, it kind of sucks, but it works. But the value that the user end user gets out of being able to have a Notion app in quote, that's just a web view is really valuable to the end user. And then Notion was able to say, hey, okay, it looks like these are the most popular screens or this is the most popular flow through the app. Cool. Let's turn that into the native experience first, and then we'll start, you know, adding other native features as time progresses. In my opinion, that is excellent execution on not focusing on architecture and everything else, and focusing on your product before you get too down deep in the hole of software craziness. What are your thoughts? You are absolutely right. That's my thoughts. Like, and by the way, I know I was like being snarky on Twitter and I sort of like put like a comment there. I wasn't sure how you're going to respond. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're absolutely right. I think you're spot on. Like I did that because I think everyone's allowed like going crazy on Twitter, like, you know, for a certain amount. So that's what I did. But (laughs) uh, I think you're absolutely right. That's a thoughtful way of like approaching it, which is look, iterate quickly on the product. Now we know what we need to build. Let's build the best version of it. Move like those pieces to native. Mm Boom. I yeah, I am I'm completely with you on that. I, I think yeah, that's you 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 phrased it correctly. That was well done by notion there. Cool. Glad you agree. I wasn't I was uh, a little worried. I wasn't sure how Kaushik <laughs> was going to respond to that, everyone. No, I mean I was just being snarky. Okay. I'm right. like, oh, because it again, that's the other thing. Like I'm all, at this point, I think everyone globally is tired of the whole Flutter versus native versus oh, yes. native argument. Oh, yeah. At this point, I'm like, oh God, just use whatever. Exactly. Like, just use whatever. <laughs> it's it's getting tiring, right? Like I get that question all the time. Like on my YouTube, I have a YouTube video that's fairly popular for Flutter stuff. And uh, I get that question all the time. Well, what should I use to learn it? I'm just like, learn, like just learn whatever you want to learn. Like if if you love and this kind of you know, this goes into other episodes we've had. If you love learning about AI and machine learning, then go learn that. And if you want to write it in R or Python, then learn R and Python. If it's you know you love web development, learn web development. I don't care if it's React or Ruby or .NET. There's so much stuff out there for you to learn, and so little time. You might as well do something that you enjoy because you only got one life. So you might as well do things that you enjoy every day. Yeah, there's that whole thing, right? Like we should think of ourselves ourselves first as striving to be programming expert, not language experts, yep. right? Mm-hmm. At a certain point, like the language should be less important. Yeah. Uh, we can have preferences, yeah. of course. Like we can be good at something, right? Like, you know, even if sometimes the right tool is X, but if I'm so much more proficient in Y, yeah. maybe the right thing to do is to use Y mm-hmm. versus X, right? And that's okay. Like, I think these flame wars that constantly go on is starting to get like a little annoying. I had a friend of mine who he has a, a successful startup. I mean, it he has multiple employees and it's been active for multiple years. It's profitable. And I talked to, I go to lunch with him every once in a while and I asked him, you know, he used to be a .NET guy and he's a Ruby on Rails guy now. I said, all right, if you were to re, if you were to go back to when you started this company, would you do what would you do differently? And he just looked at me immediately without hesitation and says, I would have never used Ruby on Rails. And I'm like, what? Uh-huh. Why? And he goes. Because the amount of time it took me to learn a new framework, because I thought that was the right thing to do, he goes, slowed me down too much. He goes, we probably would have been much further along financially because I would have been able to ship features faster because I knew a different framework. He goes, now, he goes, if I were to start it now, he goes, I would just use Ruby on Rails because I'm familiar with it. 
He goes, but back then I didn't know the framework. I didn't know it. So just use what you know, build it and then iterate. Yeah. That's see, again, that's the kind of like thought that needs to prevail more strongly, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, this has uh, been a very interesting episode here. So we'll, I'm interested to see what the listeners have to say. So if when this comes out, uh, please, you know, let us know on Twitter. Yeah. You can tag me and Kaushik or even just the podcast itself. Cause we're, lo- we're interested to see what you're, what you think really good product apps are on Android. And really we're looking for third party ones, right? Kaushik? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm anything at this point, but yeah, the third party indie voices, like we definitely want to hear a lot of those apps. We want to see if we can help promote some of those things. And again, to your point, uh, Don, I don't think this is gospel, by the way. I don't think we are saying that, hey, we are right. And therefore, that's not what we're saying at all. We want to genuinely listen, like, hey, give us pushback, send us like sort of competing thoughts. Maybe we might be thinking about some of these Mm -hmm. aspects wrong. Maybe there are examples. Maybe there's this whole ecosystem where like the Android indie developer community is just going haywire and like being successful. Like we want to hear about that. Tell us, Mm -hmm. like, you know. Yeah. Exactly. We're just we're just two people with our own opinions and uh, often we're wrong. So please let us know. On that happy note, folks, uh, if people want to reach out to you, Don, and give such thoughts, where should we do that? They can yell at me on Twitter and on Instagram. <laughs> uh, Don Felker is probably the best way, or you can go to my website and send me a real nasty message there too. <laughs> what about half the people want to get a hold of you? How do they do that? <laughs> I love it. Uh, Twitter is usually the quickest way. Uh, or my website, which, by the way, we should talk about that again. I changed my domain name again. How many domain <laughs> names are you on at this point? Like, I, like, I still, I don't think I told you this, this story on the podcast. One time, Kaushik went to overseas to visit his family. He goes, "Hey, I'm going to send you something," and I'm like, "All right." And then I get this random package, and it's got some weird domain on it that ends in .gg slash something else with no instructions, no like. Hey, Don, it's just this link with a piece of paper inside. I'm like, I don't know. Is this a bomb? Like, I don't even know what the hell this is. <laughs> In hindsight, I should have done like, yeah, I should. I thought I was being very thoughtful, like by putting up like a message yeah. that I hand wrote and scanned and uploaded. But <laughs> yeah, then I'm, I'm like, <laughs> what right. is it? And then I, I looked at it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a KG. I'm like, that look, cow shit, go pop. I'm like, maybe this is cow shit. And I'm like, and that's when I texted you. I'm like, was this, did you send to me something? And you're just like, oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, phew, dude, scared the crap out of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have quite a few domain names. I started out with kaushikgopal.com, but then I thought that was too long. So then I moved to kaush.co. Yep. Uh, then I moved to jkl.gg. That's the that's the one. one that yeah, that's the one that people full like, on were, sketch. Uh, yeah, I know. Then I got kaushik.page and kaush.page. Okay. Uh, I I and my family was giving me a lot of grief about this because obviously my emails keep changing, and they're like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Right? Like, just pick something." I think I've finally reached the domain name that I like and I'm going to stick with this like and hold me to it. Like, you know, if, okay. you know, right. six months later, I come and say, you should point me to this episode and tell me I'm a moron. Mm-hmm. Uh, the domain name is kau.sh. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not taken. I thought that was taken by that, that guy that did Visor. Yeah. So he, he has couch.com. Oh, okay. Okay. Very, very, okay. Very similar. Okay. So that was like, yeah. So that, but I managed to snag this yeah, one. SH, that is phenomenal as a developer, like domain. I know. Too. I know. I, I was very proud and I was like, oh my God. I, so that's what I was like. I, this was like late night. I was just doing something and I was like, huh, I wonder if it's available. And I opened up Namecheap. It was available. I'm like, oh my God. I'm seven hours later. Right now. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've kind of committed to like, okay, you know, this is good. I'm happy. There's like, I don't have any qualms with it and I'm going to stick with this for some time. So anyway, folks can reach out there. You know, there's information on my contact page there. Yes. Yeah. Quick, Go have more. Is your, is your theme going to be like a shell terminal? <laughs> I was, no, no, right now. I actually, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, yeah, I, that's also something I spend way too much time on. I actually have a, a, a Hugo theme called Henry that I spend mm-hmm. way more time than, you know, is responsible, but it's like my outlet. Mm-hmm. And so, I did recently change the theme too with the <laughs> domain name change. So folks can go there and, you know, reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Don. I think this was fun and I'm eager to see the feedback and I will catch you in the next episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
before you get going, don't forget to check out my free course on Git. This is going to be the course that shows you everything that you need to know in order to get started. It is the 80-20 of Git. You'll learn the 20% of commands are going to give you well over 80% of the benefit. Heck, I'd even say over 90% of the benefit. In fact, these are the commands that I use every single day, and I rarely step out of these boundaries. To learn more and to watch the course, you can go to donfelker.com git, or just go to donfelker.com YouTube and check it out there for free. I really hope you enjoy it. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.